Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And me, Robbie. And this week, episode 37, and we return to our Video Nasties feature. Uh, the Video Nasties, and we are looking at the Evil Dead. And we've... Yeah, we we've uh, we've come back to a feature quite quickly, haven't we? Because usually we live we give it a couple of uh, a little while, but this is kind of a double whammy because it's the uh, so it's the fortieth anniversary of the Evil Dead's US release. US release, yeah. But when it was released in the UK in uh, nineteen eighty three, I believe yeah. it 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 was classed as a video nasty. So we've kind of given it a little double whammy. haven't Yeah. We? We've kind of linked those two things together. So yeah, it's a uh, fantastic, the old 40th anniversary, uh, but it's given us a reason to revisit. And uh, after last time, when we visited the old uh, last house on the left, um, which is kind of what we kind of deemed as one of the main ones that actually kind of started the whole reason for the whole video nasties. Um, Going into the video nasties, just a quick recap in case if you haven't seen the Last House on the Left episode, go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a good little insight into this whole culture. So we're not going to talk as much in depth as we did last time um, about that part because we did kind of have a little overview. But it basically was a culture in uh, Britain at the time where when videos didn't actually have censorship. So there was no actual ratings for videos, but there were ratings for films in the cinema. Yeah. So basically horror films found a loophole by releasing it on video instead of releasing it in cinemas. Um, so a lot of great horror films that we know and love never actually got full horror releases in cinemas um, because the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification, wouldn't allow it to happen. So we kind of... Uh, had to, they all had to find that little loophole, and yeah. uh, we only got to see them in that way. And so, but some of them, we only ever saw cut versions, or we never actually got the full version until no. way later. So yeah, as we way said, way last when we talked about Wes Craven's Last House on the Left, it was something like thirty years before it officially got the full uncut version yeah. of the film, the way it was originally presented, uh, because they really hated that one. Yeah, and. Uh, We'll talk a little bit later. The Evil Dead has a very similar kind of history, but it's a little bit more up and down because this one did get a cinema release in 1983, like you okay. mentioned. But um, there was a little bit of a up and down with it. This one's kind of like a, they they kept changing their mind on that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, it's strange because if you look at the the kind of culture in Britain around the kind of 60s, there was a massive shift within um, kind of, kind of counterculture and culture in, in itself with you know the summer of love and that sort of stuff um yeah. so it is quite interesting that we still had for the most part within stuff like art and within kind of like government regulation we still had a lot of repression didn't we yeah you know so a lot it, of these things that are extremely violent um it not in you know in it not so much in the case of evil dead but definitely um in the case of stuff like last house on the left that features a lot of kind of sexual aggression um, yeah and kind of sexual assault themes um and uh other kind of gratuitous violence and stuff like that and anti um kind of stuff that would have been anti-religious or would have gone against religious religious norms at the time such as you know um desecration of bodies and yeah. you know all Things of this like, kind yeah. of stuff occult fiends against the religion and stuff like that all yeah. those kind of areas yeah no you're right and it's 
this obviously uh like with the evil dead it obviously um it was a bit more tongue-in-cheek than last house on the left was quite serious compared to this not that it was completely serious it had some very odd musical choices and yeah. things like that but in comparison to this uh the evil dead is quite a little bit tongue-in-cheek not as much as this the franchise goes after no. this point this is almost the most serious of all of the evil dead films um but it does go quite um at times they could tell it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek um which is why i think talking about like the culture of britain and stuff it was a case of it was a case of where a lot of people didn't agree with these ratings and they didn't agree with the bbfc at all because it was a case of it was the old case of the government not catching up with the fact that people were actually very much into this and they weren't that shocked by this especially in the 80s by that point I like last house in the life was the 70s yeah the 80s but there still was a big culture of people who were very much still like you said religious so there was those kind of like a bit of a split between like the youth culture yeah and then anyone who come before that who cinema still even by the 80s was not still like necessarily everyday life it was a kind of more like a by the 80s it was still kind of a bit of a specialist kind of thing like oh you'd go out to do that but it was still a treat yeah, thing. it was still a spe- it's not like every day now where we have it just you can just go whatever you, you can want. see it any platform anyway it does not just the cinema but you can see it in any forms back then it was still kind of that kind of special special thing that everyone would gather together so the idea that it could be ruined by this disgusting depravity could still kind of seep in and they tried their hardest to cut any of that out and continue to cut yeah. They still do cuts to this day that people question, obviously, in films and stuff like that. Where yeah. it's like, uh, we're you know we're a bit desensitized, but you know I guess it's thinking. They always referred back to the fact that they always thought that if the ratings were certain things, it was more about children seeing this kind of content. Yeah, and that is where the video nasty part was a huge like battle because they were like, well, if anyone can get hold of it, if there's no rating, then any child can pick up a video yeah they can go and pick up you know last house on the left and have a like a a very scarring night yeah (laughs) and actually speaking on censorship just as a kind of sideline before we jump into the evil dead itself um I, i was watching a really interesting um interview from the the 80s with um John Landis, John Carpenter, and David Cronenberg. Yeah. And it was, ju- I think it was just after um, John Landis had done American Werewolf. John Carpenter was filming The Thing, and David Cronenberg was filming um, Videodrome. Yeah. So they were both kind of filming what would go on to be potentially the masterpieces, but also the most kind of um, special effects wise kind of like most intensive gory, most gruesome yeah. kind of films and they made they both kind of raised interesting points regarding um getting their films through censorship and one of the things that they mentioned was that um they <laughs> it would change depending on what would what would be there so sometimes they were allowed they the violence would be fine and they would completely let that get through yeah but then it was the it was the sexual content that was the stuff that got you know yeah. that that raised issues and then as it shifted more towards the 80s and kind of i think they they i don't know whether it is my brain saying it but like reagan's america yeah the violence was the problem. The sex wasn't so much, but it was the violence now that they kind that, of, yeah. they'd gone back to. So it's kind of interesting how this how this stuff changes, and there isn't there's not really 
any specific guidelines you know it's not no, it, it becomes a proper headings. culture you know i mean it, yeah. and it is very much led by and quite often the sense it does change based on what's happened in the world around you like what is happening and i, I just i, I kind of get that people might be more sensitive to certain issues and things like that you know what i mean yeah they'd be much more like right now they'd probably be much more kind of pandemic based films they'd be much more yeah you can show that but i don't Maybe know if we should so show this right now after 9-11, I'm sure there was a lot of like, if you're trying to be a, t- a threat or bombs or things like that, like there would be a lot more kind of, mm, I don't know well, if that's the right way to look at that. Wasn't Screen was. 3 heavily rewritten because of 9-11? Or was that just my brain? Yeah, I mean, even, you know, as with like anything, pretty much I believe anything that basically in America anyway, not so much Britain, but in America, a lot of it, they asked any any cut that came through where it's like, oh, that's referencing the Twin Towers or anything to do with that kind of New York history we're like, no, <laughs> you're not doing it kind of thing. Remember Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, he originally, there was a huge battle between Green Goblin and that, which I, I get this one because it was literally like the Green Goblin smashing Spider-Man into the side of the Twin Towers or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I get that. I get why, you know, a glider flying someone in yeah. explosion inside the building. That makes sense. But th- that's heavily like believed to have been one of the scenes that was like, oh, it was we have to recut that kind of thing because there was a promo with Spider-Man like dangling between the two twin towers. Oh wow! And one of the first promos for it for the film was him like there between the twin towers kind of thing with a web between the towers. Oh, so shit. it was kind of that like stuff. So I I totally get how like uh, it depends on what that culture is. Um, over here in the UK, we had the. Um, Oh, and I'm blind black and I say the the boy that was killed by the two kids. Oh, Jamie Bolger. Yeah, Jamie Bolger, yeah. Yeah. And obviously after that there was a huge and it continued for quite a long time and also with Madeleine McCann later on. Yeah. And there was a lot of BBFC cuts started to appear where they were like, well, you can't have that happening to a child, you can't have this happening to a child. Because there were films that were reflecting that. There was um there was a, like a Macaulay Culkin film where he played like a really like the good boy or something like that, where yeah. he plays like a really like nasty little shit of a, a child kind of thing. And it ends with one of the children pushing the other child off the cliff kind of thing or something yeah. like that, I think. Cause he's that little evil kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, and we also had um, Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. With Ben, uh, ben Affleck's first uh, directed Mor- films. Mr. Morgan Freeman. Morgan yeah. Freeman. And the little girl in that is like a spitting image of like, it's so weird how much she looks like Madeline McCann. So they kind of cut those, but there were other films around that that weren't so close to the subject matter, but they were like, right, you can't have any violence to kids at this point in British culture kind of thing. It doesn't work. Like you can't do that. You can't do films about kidnapping or children being abducted. Yeah. Like, we just don't want to see that kind of thing. And this is advice they were like giving to studios and stuff like you can't do that. So they have like, they're not that controlling and stu- studios only have to, they don't have to listen to them. They can just be like, yes, that we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but then when it comes in front of them, they know that, that studios do kind of listen because then they look at it and go, well, shit, if they're going to cut, huge sections of our film and completely then we can't do that kind of thing yeah so that's why the bbfc and in general these cultures and bases i know in america they have a huge more of towards the like religious side where they have kind of parents groups and things like that that actually are always constantly like bombarding studios yeah things like that with you can't show this content the kids they'll still see it they'll still get in you know and that sometimes as well affects how they make certain films um luckily for us the evil dead yeah nice um, <laughs> the evil dead is a film that technically was made it was sam raimi's first film 
Well, I thought that. I thought that as well. He made a short film before it, but this was kind of the full version of the film. Well, I always heard that this was his directorial debut, and I, I, I put, uh, I put on Twitter that it was. Um, we will read out some of the comments later, but I'm sure he directed something before, in like 1977. Um, I thought that was the short film. So, Within the Woods. There is Within the Woods, um, which is the kind of kind of bare bones of yeah. what the evil dead became but there's something called it's murder yeah which apparently he directed uh okay, whilst he I was did still in college um and i thought yeah i always thought that um this you know evil dead was his um directorial debut yeah. but apparently it was it's murder from 1977 which does also uh feature Bruce Campbell in, you know, yeah, because they went to college together and I think I think they'd known each other since they were kids. They made like eight, eight yeah bit fil- like eight millimeter films like from when they were like kids, you know, like the Super Eight cameras and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I did add yeah, I did hear that he you know, they both watched I a guess, horror film. Like, yeah, we I guess though this films. is a case of where he's made a sh- I guess I guess where the thing that comes at like when they say de- directorial it debut though, quite film. often it's his feature directorial debut, whereas I would imagine. I Maybe haven't this looked is into fiat- theatrical. I think this is the first one that actually got theatrical, whereas the other one it might have got some kind of theatrical way later after he'd made a popular film. Maybe, but if it was a student film, like I think he made it while he was a student, so I would have yeah. thought it would have been a bit late. Because considering the story, because he only made The Evil Dead when he was twenty. Yeah. So he was very young, and he had to like beg and borrow from anyone he knew to try and put together, and he managed to put together like. What was it three hundred and so three hundred seventy five thousand or something like that? Um, well, I mean, like you were saying, he they kind of had this idea. Uh, Sam Raimi and you know uh, Bruce Campbell and somebody went on to produce it, Robert Taper. Um, they did kind of they they made that short film kind of within the woods as that kind of idea of this is what we want to do. And yeah, secured ninety thousand uh, US dollars. Um, yeah, but then you know I don't know whether yeah, I was say, came in three hundred seventy-five was the amount they got by the end after begging, borrowing, and going to a um, they had to go they had to get a lawyer just for him to advise like right you could go to these kind of people but not these kind of people and he yeah. had to do and to make one at twenty years old and to make a film that ended up like this is quite an impressive feat anyway yeah um so yeah I don't know what that other one was but if you think he made that at twenty years old and he did this wasn't until like four years later he was very young when that first one sixteen so that's what would make me think that that first one was like a very independent thing that now people have like they've got a hold of a copy and now it's become like that was technically his director Potentially, debut, yeah but not the one that was actually like a you know major director like a lot of people a lot of directors have made um student films but they would not count that as that direct yeah. debut kind of thing because i always heard that evil dead was his directorial debut yeah. but upon further research i'll have to I'm look sure. into uh it's murder was it called it's murder it's yeah. murder we'll have to i have i hadn't heard about that until right now so yeah you learn something new every day <laughs> that's what cast me Ted is all about it's yeah. all about learning yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. we learn so together educational we grow together um <laughs> But, so it was filmed, you know, in, in a remote cabin in uh, Morristown, Tennessee. Um, yeah. And we get we got um, Tom Sullivan on board for the, the, you know, prosthetic makeup and the stop motion animation. I think yeah. One thing I do really like about this film is how it mixes the two, you know? It's, it's really, like, that is the, it's probably the most, for, for, the budget isn't actually, like, it's not actually as low, low budget as, like, 
375,000 full discs, kind of for your directorial. Yeah. There are lots of horror filmmakers who made ones on far less than that much money. Um, but still, the level of uh, the fact that it's got animatronics in the film, the fact that it's got stop motion in the film, for making all these effects for that much is actually quite an impressive feat um, for, for Sam Raimi and his team. And Tom Sullivan, again, I believe was a low... Um, he was only, you know, he. none of the people on this film were, they were all just like kind of making up things as they went along and techniques. Yeah. They didn't have the budget to make, you know. Um, I know like we love those. The The film has these like really cool like panning shots and really cool like where your point of view shots, where like, you're following the demons and stuff. And these quick cutaway shots, which are really cool. Yeah, and that was all them. They didn't have the money to have the proper, you know, the proper um, still like camera sets or yeah. uh, point of view kind of that would give them that effect. So they had to literally do things like sli- like getting a piece of wood and sliding the camera down that piece of wood or that end shot, you know, when it's screaming yeah. with Bruce Campbell, that's uh, Sam Raimi riding a bike with the camera on a board <laughs> that rides towards him. And then they kind of like bring it up towards his face. No at the end. Yeah. So it's, it's stuff like that. Like they had to have like to do the ones where like the opening shot where it goes through the swamp, they literally sent like some of the camera guys like with a board around their like necks kind of thing and had them kind of like running through the, uh, the river and stuff like that, running through the pond and the lakes and the stuff yeah. like that to get that kind of moving shot. And they kind of just sped it up a tiny bit to give it that kind of swift movement. Because it's a very iconic shot, isn't it? That yeah. whole thing. And when I, I'm not sure, because I, I, I watched, I mean, I watched this for the first time in many, many years um, with Anna. I think we watched it last, last weekend. Mm. Um, and she'd never seen this before. I think she might have seen the remake potentially, but she'd never seen this before. Yeah. Um, and when we were watching it, I always remember the first thinking that the first time I watched this was potentially when I watched it with um, our friend Alice, um, yeah. who shout out as has had the baby now with oh, um, yeah. with producer uh, Dan. <laughs> um, and it's I always remember watching this with her um, and. We watched it late at night one time and I always remember every time I would go to the fridge to get a beer or something, I would be terrified because I kept (laughs) thinking of that camera chasing after me. But then it got to certain points in the film and I think we might have watched this for the first time together maybe in your old house when we were about 15. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's been so long since I'd watched this film. There's bits at the end where the, you know, where the the stop motion properly comes in yeah that seemed to really trigger some things of watching this at your house maybe yeah. with sam and joe and a couple of other people I, I think that is probably where we did watch i think that that is where we probably did watch it because i i know that i had not seen this film in such a long time so you know it was quite a a strange kind of experience watching it for the first time again actually because i was like oh I don't know if I actually like this, but I knew I, I know I like the Evil Dead too because that's like a high, like a, a a larger budget kind of. It's almost like a reboot of this film, it like is, in a, it is a remake. You know, it's but... almost like a remake, but they do still try to say like it's a sequel. So it's kind of weird because they give a recap of the first film in the sequel, and oh, yeah. it's, it's it's weird. It doesn't quite make sense, but it it's it's such like a it's like a oh we've got the budget for to make all these effects the way that we maybe envisioned them the first time kind of thing which doesn't take away from the fact that 
this is so cool because it was made for such a lower budget. Yeah. Um, but it's that weird, like, trigger in my head, like, oh, when I was first watching this film, the start of it, and things like that, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I like it. Like, it's a bit like, because it is so low budget. I was like, oh, I can't remember. It's once it kicks in that I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember. I remember this film properly now. Yeah. It's... But that first half an hour or so in this film is a bit like. It's a very, it's, it is quite a slow start. Yeah, it's a slow start. Um, and it does feel a bit like a. That it's the um, it's the actors' parts. I got to be honest, that for me felt a little bit like a student or independent film, yeah. very much. Sorry, Bobby's having a sneeze and fit. I'm having a sneeze and <laughs> um, but, And it's it's, but I guess that's because it it kind it kind of is a student independent film. It is, yeah. Know? It was it, it was only picked up because. Um, it, like because they'd done such a good job with that kind of part of the film, yeah. it was only picked up. No one actually, there was no studio behind this. There was nothing no. like that. It was Sam Raimi getting together money and hoping that someone would actually want to buy it. And it, yeah, and the mental thing is, like, if you you think about, um, you know, you think about Sam Raimi, the films that will probably spring to your mind are Evil Dead Two. You don't often think of Evil Dead One. You think of Evil Dead Two. Yeah, and then you or you think of potentially Spider-Man, the trilogy, the big, the, the OG Spider-Man, still probably one of the best. Um, and if you think about Bruce Campbell, you think of Ash Williams, yeah. but you think of Evil Dead 2 Ash Williams without his hand and a yeah, bit more and arm and all that arm and one-liners and this kind of much more yeah. charismatic well, character. It's quite strange seeing him. It's very strange seeing him in this because he is very much the he's like the main character, but he's very subdued. He's very kind of terrified and he, scared. He's a bit cowardly. At times, yeah, he's, he know? is literally just like the opposite of the we getting the next one of the of, of the Ash Williams that we kind of love. Yeah, um, that like quipping. There's none of that. In there's, this. No there's no quips. There's no thing. Half the time he stood back. He can't stop. He can't like. He doesn't help if. Um, he always gets thrown into something. That's Scott, what Adam was loving. Scott's the one that does half the work to begin yeah. with. Like he's the one that actually goes for it and starts like. And um, Ash can't commit to that kind of thing. No, like, which I get in some scenes because they do create the link with his uh, girlfriend Linda kind of thing. But yeah, you know those things I, I get. But there are other scenes where he's just stood frozen. It's like oh, this is not the Ash that we know at all. This is not yeah. the iconic Ash. Like if you were going to pick out, you know, as you get on all the. Um, um, What's the? Oh, I'm blanking on the game's name. What's the game that he's on? On uh, obviously there's a Evil Dead game coming out, but what's the um, the? We love the game that he's a feature on. You can play as him. On what the hell are you on? <laughs> <laughs> on um, on PlayStation, you can be the character where you've got to get the people. Oh, off Evil the Dead. And... Yeah, um, Evil Dead. Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. That's yes. the one. Dead by Daylight. Sorry. Yeah. So that's the iconic yeah. chainsaw wielding arm, quippy. He's got these little kind of features that you notice. Yeah. He looks more like jacked and big, a little bit, bit, you know, a little bit more. Yeah. That's the one you think of. So in this film, it is quite jarring if you know that's Bruce Campbell or just knowing a joke, because to be honest, he's pretty much then made a career out of the Ash archetype, to be honest, because most, yeah. uh, most, most things that people would know him off of. Like he's it is this kind of like sidekick quippy character. Yeah. Like weirdly, the other thing people I I know there's a, a couple of TV shows that he's in away from Ash as well, not just yeah. Ash. Um, but then also again Spider Man as the guy that pops up in cameos in this Spider Man. Yeah. Like people just remember that as because they always wanted him to pop up one day as Mysterio because they thought he kept changing characters and stuff. I always forgot he was in them until I watched them recently. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's in all. He's in all three of them. Isn't yeah. He? 
there's different characters each time. The, yeah. uh, the the wrestling announcer, the the guy that stops him going into the theater with the shushing guy, basically, yeah. and then the French restaurateur in the last one. It's yeah. Really weird. But yeah, but, that's the uh, that's the Bruce Campbell we know and love, and this is like, uh, who are you? Yeah, and it's very <laughs> and it's very weird, and I mean, I mean, I think the comparing it to obviously, it's hard to not compare it to Evil Dead too. But as a, as the kind of film it's, itself, it's. It, it tonally is a lot more of a more of a serious take, and it it does play a lot more into the into the horror of the situation. Yeah, um, definitely. And it, it kind of you know it, it's more about this kind of descending into madness. Um, me and Anna had a did have a really good conversation about it <laughs> after we went for a lovely autumnal walk on the uh, <laughs> Sunday, and we were chatting about it, and and you know she raised a really good point where like. It uh, kind of like halfway into the film when shit starts kicking off. Yeah. Um, it kind of it, it it stops being creepy, and it takes on this kind of strange weirdness that you almost accept. Yeah, you know? that's that's the kind of the tongue in cheek part of it. Yeah, think, because the demons are not they're weird and they're doing disgusting things, and it so becomes comes to the point when it's so over the top at points. And the actors are kind of really like kind of hamming it up, but not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way. In like a just the demon, it's almost as if the demon's like this child that's playing with them and therefore they're kind of childish in their approaches. Yeah. Them. And it, it takes that kind of, that is that kind of like tongue in cheek kind of nature that I think they say this film. And that's why, and that is kind of why like, um, I know that like, say when we're talking about like cuts and stuff like that, that's one thing I know is that they kind of, people who were looking at it when they were like, oh, can we release this? Did say, oh, but there is kind of a a gap between reality here. It's not like, it's not that grounded because no. it starts to get very like weird and otherworldly and supernatural and kind of a little bit, as I said, tongue in cheek. Yeah. So that kind of distances you a bit from the horror in but a it's way. But not, it's not tongue in cheek to the point where it's like, no, oh, like, this is funny. And the actors, it, it, it and I think that weird. might be where Bruce Campbell's character becomes so important because while everyone else is their thing, weirdly, weirdly, the one actor who you know is the one who normally is the tongue-in-cheek character making the quips is actually the one that kind of... He's kind of the straight He's man. kind of grounding it as the straight man. He's the one that, because he still continues to be so scared and you can see the emotions that he's thinking, everyone else being like that, it's it, it's almost what helps it. Because if he was... in, I feel like, it, weirdly, in this one, it's, it's weird, like, because the rest of the film was played like this, if he had started to turn into this kind of quippy, like, oh, I'm just going to start killing you character in this first evil dead i don't think that would have worked like that would no have, it wouldn't have worked in this version like the second one built it right from the beginning that this is not exactly the same evil dead no you know what i mean it's a, it's a bit different whereas this one very much up until that point you know you've got characters they're talking it feels like any other setup for a horror film they're yeah. in a cabin they're all like friends and things like that you've got one guy who's a bit of the joker scott He's yeah. a bit of the Joker character, a bit of a prankster kind of. You've got the, you know, different girls. One's a bit more artsy. One's a bit more, you know, one's the girlfriend. One's the other girlfriend, yeah, the forgettable just... girlfriend, because she's yeah. the girlfriend of the other character. You know what I mean? Um, so we've got all this standard setup with them all there. Um, I do like, and it just reminds me of like thinking of just the setup, because this is, as I said, this is the point in the film where I did feel a little bit like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. The acting, the 
the, some of the, the dialogue is not perfect. It's quite stunted at times. It's like they talk and talk, and it's like almost as if you can see the actors waiting for their line. Yeah, it's like where's the next line? And it comes with independent films, and that's fair enough. Luckily, it it, it totally works once it all sets off because then it's just kind of like a screaming over the top barrage. So the acting suddenly works. Yeah. That kind of like hammy acting works, but it doesn't work so much when it's a little bit more like, Oh, this is just a normal setup. So that first 25 minutes, half an hour, I think it it takes about 25 minutes. I think before it like really starts to get into the full, yeah, the full possession, not, um, not, it's not Linda. Um, the first one, Shelly, is it? Cheryl. I'm sure Shelly, I'm sure it's his sister Cheryl, isn't it? Shelly. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, not, that's uh, Scott's girlfriend, Shelly. So it's, um, it's Cheryl. Yeah, it's his sister Cheryl. Cheryl. Yeah. His sister Cheryl. So she's the she's the one that we kind of follow at first. And things start happening to her, like, pretty much straight away. As soon as they're in the cabin, basically. Yeah, she's, she's the one who she draws, draws the, 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 yeah. the Necronomicon, and then she hears the, the demonic voice. Um, so we yeah. see them kind of singling her out. It's almost like she's the loneliness, and they draw onto that the other ones yeah. all chatting in their couples and she's alone drawing and you see her getting yeah. taken over it's very it's, there is a bit of a strange shift there because she goes from doing that like my hand's just being taken over she looks really scared she walks out of the room and then that's out of the dinner table and she's like yeah, i just want to mention it yeah <laughs> so it just took me <laughs> over and controlled my hand into drawing a weird picture but yeah no it's all right let's have dinner let's not deal with them like where you know so that's that's a little bit strange yeah. but um and we, and we, with know. hers, I think, like as I said, we're like we're not like we're looking through the film, but we're kind of I'm kind of jumping to points, but we're yeah. not like well, I mean, we're not going through it scene by scene. You no, know what no, I mean? If you're listening to this, to. you should have seen the film. Yeah, I don't. Think we um, have to go so Cheryl, um, I think that's the point. This is the point when the film really takes a proper turn. Is Cheryl in the forest when she leaves the house? Where's I think the that's... tape recorder? Isn't it? Because the tape yeah. recorder kind of spurs all this on, and I think I like that. That was a device I liked. The fact that it's not one of them. It's not actually. Whenever people redo this film, it's always the dumb teenager. Who and starts that's reading the what. Book. That's what I always remember it being. The, yeah, the one of the teenagers reading the book. I always remember it as all the films Scott that reference this film. You know, Cabin in the Woods, or even I swear, even in the remake of the Evil Dead. The, in the remake, the, the Scott that I think I believe the character who is supposed to be there Scott is like this. There is like this. The prankster stoner character, even in the remake, that does the same stupid he thing. Reads it. Yeah, and it's and and in like Cabin in the Woods, which very much heavily references like Evil Dead. It's always and there are other versions of this film but it's always that dumb character and it's weird because they didn't actually do that in the film that you're referencing they actually did a much smarter way of doing it than yeah recorded and we say it's dumb <laughs> but like i think if you found a book <laughs> you would read it like i would yeah but yeah no i get that but it's like i think it'd <laughs> you be know? interesting I mean, but it's more the I'm reading this out loud. You know, it's that bit that comes a bit hokey, and it, it comes off become, as hokey. And it's become almost a stereotype of a, oh like, yeah, a supernatural horror film like yeah. this that you would then you're gonna have the dumb like more crafting. It's kind of the stoner character, or it's the the girl who's interested in that. Like, oh, what's this kind of thing? It's become that kind of stereotype. But it's, yeah, it was interesting to see that almost the film that they're all building from the evil yeah. dead is the was the almost the archetype of most of those kind of films and yet it didn't do it like in that no, stupid way it yeah. did it in actually a quite smart way but it's an interesting way of doing it when the when they find the archaeologists kind of tape recorder and they they you know 
it's a good way of that. like exposition but they we don't get too much exposition we just get little snippets of the recording but enough to tell us that this book is that's deemed it. in ancient time you know and you throw back into and it gets to the point where you kind of the ex the the thing that i do love about the film is that it it gets to the point where it's not about kind of exposition it's not about what these demons are it's not about how do oh how you know how do we send these demons back or it's not about that it's just about surviving yeah you know it literally like, is just like what's the next crazy thing that's going to happen and how am i going there's to very little there's actually like apart from like weird noises and stuff like that there's actually not very much dialogue that happens when shit goes off no not it, really you it's get like you get bits of like like between uh, ash and scott like occasionally talking yeah. to each other or the, or Linda, it's, yeah. it's the demon saying repeated creepy things yeah but there's not actually like any much character interaction after that point because it's basically yeah. just shit that person's gone possessed that person's yeah. shit that person's cutting their hands you know and all this crazy shit that's gone off which again i quite like um, yeah it almost becomes more of i'd say you almost get more people flying into walls or objects than you do to a dialogue <laughs> yeah because <definitely>. <laughs> that was one thing i did quite like to like i, I quite liked like right starting to run through going right every time a demon new demon pops up Ash gets thrown into another piece of furniture, he does. <laughs> and another character gets thrown against a wall or a door, and it's literally. I think there's like ten different scenes yeah. of someone getting lobbed against something, and I do remember hearing that in behind the scenes that um, literally there, there were because this was like a twelve week grueling shoot apparently. Like oh, yeah. Sam Raimi liked liked dwelling in the them being. A, unhappy because he said that just brought out the horror bear make them bleed that makes them uh, like that would just yeah. make them unhappy they were all staying inside of that cabin that oh they were wow doing. the whole crew not just the actors everyone was staying certain actors were only there for the parts they needed to do and then they were gone but at, like um but bruce campbell had to be there the whole time because he was a yeah. producer but it's quite interesting that like so so many of them said like they were in the middle of nowhere so they couldn't really get to any, if anyone did get hurt. So you had like one day where I, uh, one of uh, one of the um, female, I think it might be the one who plays Shelly. Yeah. When they took the face mask off, it ripped her eyelashes off. Oh. So they, they fucked up on that. But also several of them getting thrown against walls. They were doing their own little stunts of getting thrown. You can see it because you can see Bruce Campbell going to the bloody bookcase and collapse. Like some of them aren't. Once they're in prosthetics, when they get lobbed around. Then you can see that quite often you can kind of tell it's like this is that's a man that's not well, that's not the girl anymore that's a man in that costume yeah um, but it literally is like um, people were saying they had so many injuries where they'd got like slightly impaled by something oh, or hit yeah. by something or because just imagine throwing them against the wall and you forget there was like a stud there or something and then oh shit like, yeah I'm bleeding out of my I'm side bleeding. you know what I mean and that's like that's like a death that happens in a lot of horror films someone gets thrown against a tree and oh shit there was actually a bit of the tree sticking out and it just kills them. and in this film it was just yeah lot throw yourself against that wall and we'll hope for the best yeah, kind we'll of thing. Like, we hope you don't die do it several times for several takes but if you do die we'll film it <laughs> yeah um yeah so it's all quite interesting that kind of thing um i think the the scene with uh you know where shell does kind of end up getting possessed you know the the and it is kind of a this is a, like this is like the most controversial scene, so. controversial this is the this is and this is the one that definitely in terms of if we're talking about the video nasties and stuff yeah these kind of certificate this is the one that was definitely brought into major question as to like Okay, she's getting raped by a tree. You know yeah. I mean? it is a, a bit, and it is it is a it is a strange scene to watch. I gotta be honest. It's not like when I was watching it this morning in bed. <laughs> yeah, and I was being like, okay, 
It's quite. I was trying to remember. I was like, does she get raped by? Like, does do you see the tree just like boom, like fun straight in there? I was like, uh, is that going to happen, or did, have I just imagined that this, or is this, yeah. or is this in a different film? And in this one, she just kind of gets held down by the tree or something. But yeah, there's that whole scene, literally like we've got it wrapping around her legs. It, it's very cool, like the the practical effects and stuff. Yeah, it's very cool. Like digging in there, like she's getting pulled down. You start seeing her get her arms pulled apart, and then you see it like kind of going toward you know down there, yeah. and, and then her legs just get Pulled kind of torn apart. Up. And it's so it's... the breast kind of comes out like yeah. where it's like it's almost literally like it's trying to put her all on display. Kind yeah, of thing. and that's the thing. It's this kind of it's like this violation, isn't it? You know, and it's 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 not only is it an extremely weird scene. Yeah, and it is a very creative scene, I think, because the idea that it the spirit is kind of in the woods and it's kind of all around you, but it's also it's an extremely uncomfortable scene to watch, even forty years later. Yeah, it is. It's so I I think it it will never be a comfortable scene to watch. No, like any rape scene. No, I don't think it will. Even if it's by a random inanimate object like that, it's still like. And, you know, the reason even is that bit when it's like, weirdly, they've got all these little tiny vines going around yeah. here, wrapping her down. And it's like this big, like, much larger than the vines kind of trunk of a tree. Yeah. You just see it go, you do then get some weird, like, thump kind of, like, you just see it go towards yeah. her. There's nothing, obviously, majorly graphic. There's no, like, hot, like weird, like, extra, like, you can't actually see anything. But it is still, like, what is the fuck is going on? Yeah, and I think, you know, for looking at it, in that UK video nasty kind of scope, you could see why it would be so controversial. You know, when we spoke about um, Last House on the Left and the kind of the, the graphic rape scene in there, yeah, this is you know it still has that element of uncomfortability to it. I mean the the context of it is kind of different, and what happens on the screens completely different, but it's still. You know, it's the implication of it, and yeah. then you have the kind of the added aspect that it it there's also the the kind of the metaphor. I don't know if that's the right word of the of that's the the dim the demon kind of violating her and starting the possession as well. Yeah, you know, and, and it's quite strange because the rest of them, it's almost just like kind of gets passed on to them. Yeah, it, there's no major on. like. There's no major reason why it passes on to the other ones, really. Like you, you see them getting attacked or stuff, or maybe get stabbed by the de- or cut, yeah. or, or like like kind of you know fingers dragged down their skin and stuff like that. But there's no like, oh, I'm passing it on to you, like I'm you know vomiting all inside your mouth, or you know, or Which I, I'm sure I'm gonna, happens in you know, or you know, Cheryl goes over and just starts banging them back you know what i mean yeah. like there's none of that weirdly like i think yeah i think in the remake there is a there's little a bit more blood to vomit scene and yeah it, and it goes on to one of them or yeah something like that maybe it's been a long time since in the remake as well yeah but like, there, yeah but there is you know there's uh, yeah it's just there's this this element of kind with cheryl's scene in particular the, the kind of first possession i mean possession itself was a massive taboo in mm. the UK to put, you know, for the BBFC. I mean, yeah, the, the, the demon. You uh, know yeah. I mean, this was very this much a demonic we very Church of England kind of country, you know what I mean? Very much like, like still in that kind of era of when we were more than I'd say much more than we ever are now. We're not yeah. really the same kind of follow the church kind of country as we ever were back then. And in the 80s, we still very much were that kind of country. 
leading into the 90s is kind of when that started to kind of people were kind of going away from the church as an idealist belief in that kind of way and not that there aren't still lots of people today that believe that but it is still still that kind of like certain and certain countries all around the world we have ones where they're very much religious and huge population believes and fully follows that yeah we're not really that country we're now a country of a million different belief kind of thing yeah. we are very much that now whereas back then i'd say we very much were more of that kind of standard christian yeah for the most part population the... majority were christian yeah Major- more majority were still believing in church and they hadn't quite lost I don't know. I was about to say lost their faith, basically. <laughs> but it, yeah, um, but but it yeah, was, kind of. you know. And the idea of a demonic rape is kind of a massive taboo, yeah. isn't it? So the, but the weird thing is that the version that was released in the cinema okay, so this actually it. included it. Oh, they didn't get rid of it. They didn't really? cut that part. It was very weird. They didn't cut. They cut several things out of the film. They may have cut a little part of it, like yeah. the thing, but they didn't cut out the whole the whole section like is what I thought that they would have done. But on the factual cinema release, the because the film itself, uh, the evil dead had a huge marketing campaign in the UK for some, like they decided that uh, I think uh, the, the producer who'd got involved with it had had a huge uh, market in a previous film uh, that had like been really big in the UK. Yeah. So they decided there was a taste for it over here. So they decided to really, so before they even got it from like 1981, uh, from late 1981, there was already advertising for the film before it even got to us in 1983. Oh, um, so they had like a huge uh, kind of um, a huge kind of following uh, for that in the UK. And yeah, the first cuts. Um, well, it was released so, 17th of January 1983 uh, yeah. in the UK. Um, here, I'll give a little bit of it. In yeah, here. I have a, got, yes. I got my little part, my little notes here, and here's the. Uh, so, um, so yeah, when the Evil Dead was first seen, so the BBFC didn't actually see it until August 1982. Okay, um, and their reaction was divided. So some of them thought it, the film was so ridiculously over the top that it couldn't really be taken seriously. Um, is which is what we were kind of talking about there. It's like between that kind of yeah. gap between reality. Um, so it wasn't like Last House on the Left where they felt so much that it was like, oh, this is very, this feels very real kind of thing yeah. at the same time. Um, whereas some of them, the, like other people, found it nauseating and thought it was disgusting and, yeah. you know, that they should be banning it, basically. Um, so when they realized that there was this kind of division of opinion, um, they also realized that that could happen with cinema goers. Um, but that wasn't really a reason to fully ban the film then if people were going to have different opinions on it. So they did kind of go with, yeah, some of us agree, some of us don't then. Um, so they kind of felt that the, the best course of action would be to maybe tone it down just a little bit of the violence. Um, so the films retained its humour. Yeah. Whilst neutering some of the most graphic violence. So they cut out quite a bit of the gore parts of the film. Yeah, the really gory, like actually, like the pulling off the hand kind of thing. If you remember that scene, or the gouging yeah. of the eyes, those scenes were kind of cut down, but they only actually ended up cutting 49 seconds of the film. Oh, really? So, in the first kind of one, it was um, massively delayed, but it wasn't, but it got an X certificate. So, an X oh. certificate is like was what porn got. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, we don't have X anymore, do no, we? we don't. So, it was the same in America, it got like the highest possible rating because obviously. Yeah. Sam Raimi didn't want to tone the film down. He wanted it to be what it was. And he knew that that meant there was a good chance 
they'd be very limited in what they'd kind of find out about the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, this include uh, axe blows, uh, reducing of the eye gouging, and uh, the number of times that a pencil was twisted into a person's leg, but not the, tree. the rape tree. The rape tree. The rape tree. The tree rape. <laughs> don't go and visit that tree. Yeah, it's don't the go rape tree. Yeah, don't go visit that tree. <laughs> but the, the tree rape. That's really weird. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite weird because um, obviously they thought anyway, because Sam Raimi's vision, vision for it, he was still disappointed at those 49 seconds because he wanted people to see the full vision, like the eye gouge yeah. and the hand getting the eye gouge. The eye gouge is like well done. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of what made them start to look more towards, right, the video market instead. Yeah. And that is what kind of made them consider whether, do we actually just pull the film then? Do we say yeah. no, we'll pull the film, but we'll release it straight onto video in the UK kind of thing? Because it's already out in video in America, so we've already got that going. So we could just start getting that over into the UK. They didn't pull it, but because it got an X rating, and because of that, some people did get to see it in the film, But it was it, and it was a... A fair success, yeah. Um, for the time, because it was a time when it was taboo. Which, let's be honest, you make something taboo, and people are like, oh, "Shit, I want to see that." It's yeah. like it's like when we said, actually, I said The Exorcist earlier, and The Exorcist was never banned, but the marketing for The Exorcist was that it had been banned in other countries, and that was all over the posters. Why do you think Exorcist became such a huge yeah. phen- phenomenon? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. Um, because phenomenon. they sold it as the film that you shouldn't see. And yeah. That the, and that the church doesn't want you to see. So some of the best marketing ever. It's like the Blair Witch selling it as a real real yeah. footage. You know what I mean? The Exorcist did the same thing. It made people believe that it was real, even though it actually wasn't banned. Because they said, well, it's not actually that bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's quite interesting. So... Um, yeah, so the whole no requirement for the video market kind of meant that they could kind of lean into that. So, yeah, they did start to build towards that. But that's why we didn't get it until January 1983. And it's also why the video was released not long after. But the video still, the one they made, they couldn't cut around the fact that they'd been cut originally though. So there were some rules that still had to be applied by. So they could now release the video. But sadly, if they'd released it straight into the video market, it would have been released uncut, no worries. Yeah. But because it had already been cut by the BBC, BBFC, they had to release the video with the cut still. So those 49 seconds of film never got to see in the UK. Yeah. So there was a long period of time when no one got to see that cut of the film. So that video got released. Um, and uh, I think we'll go back to the film and we'll yeah. build on that a little bit more in a yeah, minute. Definitely. So let's kind of break that up a little but, bit. So, um, But the film does kind of work in these, um, you know, in these almost two parts. And it's kind of before the possession of Cheryl and then after. Um, so, you know, after Cheryl is is raped by the tree, um, she goes back to the to the kind of office and the office? She, <laughs> goes, she goes back to the office. She goes back to sees Michael Scott. Jim looks at the camera. I don't know what and Dwight says. Something. And then in the background you see her raised yeah. demonically <laughs> and rips Dwight's head off. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Um, she goes back to, to the cabin um, and you know and then she kind of breaks down and kind of tells them about what's going on and that you know what's going on out there and then Ash says he'll take her back and this is something that I found interesting and yet again I had a conversation with Anna about it and I said that one thing that I do love about this film is that apart from this one scene 
where they do successfully manage to leave the cabin. They go to the bridge, which was rickety anyway, and the bridge is completely destroyed. And then they come back and, you know, they, they realise that the trapped and the, the you know, the yeah. Sumerian demons don't want them to leave. The thing that I love about this film is any once we get to night time, any exterior shots that we have, I mean, I'm usually we get a lot of the exterior shots kind of when when Cheryl leaves the cabin um, and then after all of the possessions have ensued. Um, it's extremely isolated in the way in which they show it. So you see, um, you see, you know, the ground near the characters and you see the characters and the actors and where they are. And then you have this heavy layer of fog and yeah. behind them, you don't see anything. You just see it is like blackness. pitch pitch black, isn't pitch it? Black. You it's can't not... really see. You can see a few lines of trees, but, but it does feel like they're it, almost in their own little world. It feel, yeah, it feels like where they are is all that there is. And, and the characters isn't. never make it much further than a few steps out of the doorway no. anyway. Like even at the end, like Ash is literally only a made it steps. about ten steps from the door before screaming. Yeah. And it the whole film has this weird sense of isolation and that where you are isn't you know, isn't anywhere on earth anymore. You're yeah. in this realm or you're in this domain of just pure isolation. Yeah, as in no one could ever yeah. actually get to them anyway. Yeah. And um, I love and that's just one thing that I kind of a subtle no, thing that I love it, about. Great, the film. It does add a great kind of it, it's it's almost in a way it's like, yeah, and if that was if that isolation was felt in another one, it it makes you buy straight into the fact that there's like nowhere they can go kind of yeah. thing, completely. And weirdly, in this film, like the the way it is, um I don't say like the sus- the suspense like that part's really nice, but it's not exactly a majorly suspenseful kind of. No, horror it's not. Film. In a suspenseful horror film, that kind of isolation would be perfect for making you feel really on edge. That like fuck, there is nowhere they yeah. can go. They are completely stuck. But, but it's, it's nice it's... to know. But whereas in this one, we think more of like uh, otherworldly dimension yeah. or something like that. Like it's I'd... knowing what where the story goes later. Yeah. It's kind of like this and is. It's so subtle, and I don't know whether it was an intentional thing. Because there is so low budget, I don't know whether it's we just, just don't have enough light to do, to do the, it. Yeah, to do yeah. the lighting, so we can only light the cabin area, yeah. and not the rest of it. Like, that pro- but it, it probably was, but it but it it's... adds to this theme of isolation, and it's strange because you're you're having a film that takes place in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. So your idea is, okay, this is going to be, you know, you wouldn't feel in a, in a way you would feel isolated because you're in a cabin in the woods. But yeah. Because there is, you can at least get out of the cabin. But with this and the way in which it's shot and this kind of subtle element of, you know, lighting and just use of fog makes it feel like this is all that there is. This cabin and this, like, five feet outside of the cabin is all that exists now. And it's such yeah. a thing that I love. No, yeah, it, was, it, it is really cool. Like, I do love that, like, the, the way yeah. that it's shot. Um, actually, shots are another interesting thing, like with Sam Raimi, and I think he has become it has become a little bit known in his kind of film as he's went on. But he has these really at times these really artsy kind of shots. Yeah, you can tell, like you can tell in a way that this is like a a film student who's made this. Yeah, because it's like he's taking like oh, there's some really like what I would say like nouveau French cinema kind of yeah. shots. The bit when Ash and Linda with the box. Yeah, where he puts the box onto his head and it like it does the eyes, back, yeah, flicks back and forth, and that is such a it's such a weird kind of um, it's almost to the point where it gets a little bit cheesy because it's like this weird like you're forcing these art shots into this film that 
has some really lovely like panning in this kind of like artsy kind of way and it, it's weird that you get these shots in this kind of film yeah um but it it doesn't take away from it it's just like that scene alone like that moment is a really odd moment it is it like kind of it brings you into the characters because they've got this kind of like weird quirky charm about them yeah like, after that but it's something that he does in his later films as well he's done it throughout his career where he's got I mean, he's kind of been known for this kind of... He's known for this. He brings a kind of cheesiness, like a very like old-school B-movie style to films, yeah. doesn't he? And I think it feels very... It, it does... It feels like something you'd see in Giallo or Giallo, or whatever they call it, you know, that yeah. kind of your Italian-French kind of horror and yeah. thriller kind of stuff, where it is these weird shots. This in kind of artsy, and... like, all really, like, kind of odd, pretty, or focusing very closely on someone's face or their features or, yeah. or their, like, even when they're running through the forest, it's, like, either, like, top or bot legs. It's, like, closing in on parts yeah. of their body. Um, it's just, that was just one that, like, stood out to me. Like, I just remember that Sam's Raimi's film, thinking on from, like, these, thinking on to, like, Drag Me to Hell or thinking on to, um, like, Spider-Man, all those kind of films. I just know that, like, and this might be for better or worse, but it's why I also understand the characters in this film that I felt the characters felt a bit off because as it would be one thing I would say of Sam Raimi is as much as I, I love his kind of B-movie style and I love his kind of thing, there's no denying that sometimes his B-movie style, I would say sometimes characters and getting the best performances yeah. out of actors is not always him as a director, his strongest point, I don't think. Yeah. I think there are definitely, like, if we look to the Spider-Man films as well, we think how many kind of really cheesy moments that maybe yeah. didn't totally work in that kind of film. They're great films. I love them. But, um, and that includes Drag Me to Hell as well. It has certain scenes, you know, even the bit when she gets, like, dragged down to hell, kind of have it with Justin Long looking on. There's a slight little bit of a, the performance is maybe not where it could have been kind of thing. And I do feel like I love it, but I love, I think Bruce Campbell kind of made his own character. Yeah. He, he, he knew exactly what he was doing and he did it kind of thing. Whereas other actors that have come into Sam Raimi's world of directing, um, maybe that B movie stuff sometimes doesn't always work for them in that way. Like there are certain ones where Tobey Maguire didn't always seem like perfectly able to but do you, the kind of cheesier parts. But you know who smashed it? <laughs> you know William Dafoe. William Dafoe. William, William Dafoe. Dafoe. Oh yeah, he lent into that like full like oh yes, I, this is over the top and thing like William Dafoe, his Goblin. Oh Back my god, to form, Back to form. I can't wait. To, I I'm hoping that he's still. I'm hoping they haven't made him too uh too uh you know in the new one too serious because I want to see a little bit of that classic Goblin snap. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm. That's you know. <laughs> yeah. Side note, I'm not. You know, I'm not really into the Marvel films, but the. The two that I do want to watch is the <laughs> new Spider-Man because it's got fucking Doc Ock in, who's one of the best. Spider-Man's and, just like the best anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently it has, it's got the gob, D Goblin in. And then Into the Mouth, Into the Mind of Madness or Multiverse whatever it is. Madness. Multiverse Doctor Strange, Madness. purely because, yeah, Sam because Raimi's, Sam Raimi's on board. I want to see what know? he's done with that. I'm hoping they've kind of let him go a little bit free with it. Kind of so. a bit. Obviously, we had a horror director doing it before because Scott Derrickson Derrick yeah. was the one before. Um, apparently his was a little bit too too horror whereas sam raimi's i think is per sam raimi that's why he was though it sounds like i was dissing his spider-man films no his spider-man films are great because they literally are the cheesy 60s comic brought to life the original spider-man the one he would have read when he was a kid the yeah. original spider-man that's it brought to life and this is why in the evil dead you know it's got this kind of weird that he obviously loves that kind of b-movie horror 
He's yeah. not like, and he again, he would have grown up on B movie horror because you know, fifties and sixties. If you watch most of them, they're 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 great, but there's no denying that character and stuff like that is a little bit cheesy at times. I watched um, Night of the Demon. You know, that love one? Night of the Demon. Night yeah. of the Demon, but there is definitely a bit of an odd like. There's an amazing like effects, amazing creepy visuals and stuff, things like that. And I I know I've I've seen something with Sam Raimi saying that you love that film, but. Like Night of the Demon, it has the weird like effects at times, and some that are really like, oh wow, that's really cool for the time. But the character interactions again is that, and it's almost like he learned from that B movie style of character acting and went, I'm bringing that to this. Yeah, <laughs> and that's my style from now on. Like the characters can be a little bit cheesy, a little bit. So it's part of his, you know, is is what makes I think Sam Raimi an auteur because I know exactly if I watch the Sam Raimi film, I'm like. Uh, yeah, I'm I know what it. this looks like. And I know the, what this is going to look like. And that's why when I'm when I'm watching, you know, a lot of Edgar Wright films, yeah, it's kind of like you can tell how heavily influenced he is by Sam Raimi. Mm. And Sam Raimi has these beautiful shots that he he he's just become synonymous with, you know. Um, but let's, I think the to go back to let's the film, get back to yeah. the possession. That was <laughs> I, a big tangent. There, yeah, sorry. I think Cheryl's kind of the bit where you know we Cheryl sat against the window and she starts calling out the cards and when she succumbs to the entity and you know um, she's you know we we then get into the the kind of wackiness and the kind of possession and we and the shit hits it the comes, fan base. It goes thick and fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? There's just, after this, the film is basically just, like you said, survival. Yeah. And it is just one possession change after another, basically. It just goes yeah. from one to one. Her at the window, like, works really cool where she's rising. And at first I was like, oh, I don't, like, when I just saw her face, I was like, oh, I was a bit for enough. I was like, I can't, I forgot the makeup looks quite like that. But the more she started to do it and twist her body and yeah. stuff like that, I was like, oh, this is actually quite like... It is quite like creepy, but it is because if you're expecting, it's a little bit creepy, but if you're expecting something like really scary, these aren't, I wouldn't say that these are really scary, demonic looking people. No, it's, it's but... what they do though. And this is, this is yeah. exactly the same in say, if, if we mentioned the remake, like in the remake, it's a much more serious film. It is a yeah. serious film. It's not cheesy film at all. The remake is dark and grueling and gritty. Yeah. And like, it's why it stands apart from these ones, because it is like, it's the same story, but full-on like full-blown like horror like it's sickening the the remake yeah but you can see obviously this one's sickening as well and would have been sickening at the time yeah. with special effects um but it is even in like the the remake we still get that kind of um you know the the makeup does look quite fit but it is more about what they do to themselves than it is about necessarily them looking completely scary themselves yeah that's what kind of makes the Evil Dead, I think, work in that way is the fact that it's just people purely unknowingly now just basically self mutilation. Yeah, it, you know? and that's what kind of. So when we start to see that really like build, obviously, um, obviously we see Linda get stabbed in the ankle, and yeah, then they we, trap. You know, we get the whole craziness. They trap um, Cheryl okay, Shelley in, in the, the Cheryl in the basement. Cheryl, not Shelley. Yeah. Cheryl in the like thing, which again, iconic kind of iconic, her coming yeah. out of the her head coming oh, out of that. God, there is a bit God. when they're kicking her into it, where like I was like, hey, that's a, like that's like almost like a paper mache head. Yeah, <laughs> like where it's banging back and forth. And I was like, oh yeah. But that that kind of has this endearing quality. It does, yeah. Quality, it, yeah. That you're like, oh, you know, that's quite cool. And I bet even that was a fucking hard thing to make. You'll be like, oh, that looks really good. Yeah, but I bet that was fucking hard to make. Probably you got was, no yeah. budget. So, you know, like, so you make a uh, paper mache head that looks anything like the real thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it's I think um it's it, but it is I keep thinking to um Shelley because it's Shelley's when you really start to see this self mutilation kind of coming out when Shelley starts to kind of turn. Yeah. Is when you really start to see like and again, she's the one I was mentioning when you're like, I'm not sure that that's a woman in there anymore. I'm pretty sure it's a man. It suddenly looks, Shelly suddenly looks a lot huskier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the wig on top kind of thing is, uh, yeah. it does look not quite like uh, her hair anymore. Um, but it is that kind of like, um, like the contact lenses, the yeah. eyes changing. Um, well, apparently, um, I, I think it was. Uh... It might have been the character who played Linda or Cheryl, because I know they both have this kind of heavy contact lenses that's just white eyes. Yeah. They could only keep, they covered the whole eyes and they couldn't really yeah. see, and they had to keep them in for 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, because the eyes, yeah, I did, I heard that they, the eyes could breathe without yeah. them. And, and that they were like basically as thick as, like, normally, obviously, I, I don't wear contact you, you I do, used to. But yeah. like, they're like, obviously, like, they're very thin, whereas these apparently they were like thick as glass kind of thing. It was like yeah. sticking that over your eyes. So, it... and yeah, if, <laughs> if you've ever worn contact lenses for a long time, you know the uncomfortable feeling. If you ever slept in contact lenses, yeah. it's fucking hell. And it's, yeah, and that is just like, oh, it's one of those things that, that happens. And you don't, I mean, I think we love it because we're kind of nerds for this stuff. But I think if you, if you don't realise the amount that goes into filmmaking, you kind of yeah. take a bit of that for granted. And it does, it, it kind of makes you realise just how gruelling some of these yeah. scenes must have been. Because imagine having to, keep it in for 15 minutes not i i'm sure they couldn't really see when they had them in and no yeah having yeah. to go on some of these directions and having to do a, and you would have had to do it over and over exactly. and know? this would have taken days i mean yeah it can take a day just to film one scene if you've got to stop every 15 minutes that's just doing parts of that scene that's going to take fucking days to do that or weeks yeah <laughs> yeah of doing that sticking those in your eyes for weeks so like the people who made this film went through the ringer to make this yeah. kind of film, to make that kind of bloody disgusting effect. Imagine all the shit they have to, like they said, like, um, cause this is uh, inter- the blood that they use. In the yeah. film. This is actually one of those changeovers where the, um, where Tom Sullivan took the classic making for blood, which obviously blood before this film quite often looks still looked like that. You know, the shitty paint looking ready, you know, yeah. when we look at old horror films and so, like quite a lot of them in the 70s still had like really like. Well, they did corn light syrup. Blood. What did they do? Yeah. Corn syrup it, and food coloring. Corn syrup and food coloring, but it would come out really much lighter than blood. So Tom Sullivan's, um, he added, he added coffee into yeah. the mixture to make that dark red blood which then was taken on by other films after it where they're like oh that and that's part of what made this film look even more sickening to people they're like shit that actually looks like blood whereas before sometimes there was a little bit of escape because like yeah no, that's blood but it's not that doesn't look like blood. it's really bright, you know yeah. this is like um you know because you had films where it was like that looks like just red paint <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, the because of the mixture they made and the amount of it like when um like when ash gets completely covered in blood and stuff he said it literally took him like there weren't they couldn't have showers and stuff like that. Yeah, they have showers. So he literally he said it, it took days to actually get any of that off his. He literally was still doing scenes where they'd managed to get it off his face, but the rest of his body was still coated in thick layers Ugh. of like horrible, like dried blood and stuff where he couldn't get it off. Um, so it's that kind of like that level of like shit. You really went for this film. Yeah, and I think Shell's um, no, it's not Shell. It's Shelley's death, which Shelley's is quite death. cool. You know when because she she gets attacked in the room and she kind of very quickly succumbs to it and becomes a dead eye. Um, 
and she goes for Scott, and Scott just fucking bodies her, doesn't he? You know, he, just he does, yeah. She goes fireplace. into the, he just kicks her straight head in the fireplace, and you see her skin starting to peel off. Yeah, and it is, yeah, it is disgusting. Um, and she just keeps going for Scott, you know. He just he just fucking kicked her right, you know, across the room. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised that he then goes for Scott. Is this um, when Ash gets? No, Ash, Ash has gets, already been thrown into a shelf, hasn't he? This yeah, is the second time he gets thrown into a, shelf. a second shelf. Yeah. I always oh, that might have been, no that's Linda that throws him into the second shelf. Linda throws him later on into yeah, the second okay. shelf. Um, but yeah, no, he gets thrown into that, and this is when he's standing at the back of the room. And this is the one that's weirdly cowardly one where he's literally just like yeah oh yeah when he's just watching oh, he has the axe but he's just stood there like oh, shit yeah and scott is like fighting with um sh- uh shelly and um yeah and then shelly yeah shelly gets properly like beaten up and she gets the that the i don't know if there's a specific name for the sword but the sword of the skull on the end of the head. um in the in the later films it's the can Candarian dagger, but in this, I think it's just. I don't think it's ever named in this one. No, but it's Candarian dagger, anyway. Yeah. Um, that shot is stabbed through the back. Yeah. And just keeps getting like attacked. And then it literally gets to the point when she starts, still keeps coming towards Scott. And then he just goes to town. Yeah, he on does, it. doesn't it? Fucking the blood splattering everywhere. Axe, axe, axe. Again and again and again. And then what's left is a fucking mess. Yeah. Like <laughs> guts, arms, legs, and it's cool special effects are all still like twitching and stuff like that. The legs still kind of moving yeah. and, you know, certain parts obviously look more real than other parts because certain parts are just covered like with clothing. So you can't really tell, but like the leg twitching with the sock looks quite cool. Yeah, it does look legitimately real. The head, obviously not as much, but then there's just like these just piles of guts or brains just all over the place. Yeah. Um, and obviously the head's still talking and moving and yeah, it's badass. Um, but it's it's more the fact that he doesn't seem to have this kind of. Whereas Ash with Linda is very like, I can't hurt. I her. can't do it. Scott's, Scott's just, just fucking, fucking like, I got fuck it. You're, you're, you're got the, <laughs> you I'm got. not even. I'm not even thinking about could we bring you back? Nah, fuck it. You're, yeah, you've got you're got it. After you've attacked me a couple of times, I'm done. Like kind of thing. It doesn't take a lot for Scott to be like, you're fucking dead. And he brutally kills it. Then he just says, we've got to just bury her. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and, and Ash was still stood there. He had to take the axe out of Ash's hands and Ash is still just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? And we get the kind of creepy little nursery rhyme kind of chants kind of thing coming from like Cheryl in the, down in there, down in the, um, yeah. That's so cool. And then obviously Linda's been, st- was stabbed in the leg. And Scott says he's getting the fuck out of here. There's a, there's a, there's like a path through the mountains. Or something yeah, like that. we don't see what happens to Scott outside, do we? When no, he goes outside we don't. the door, he just goes. We we see him go outside. He um, and then Ash obviously with Linda, but then very quickly Ash realizes, oh shit, Linda's already possessed. Yeah, she kind of gets up. I like Linda's is one that I do really. Whereas like, uh, whereas with uh, Cheryl and Shelley, occasionally it kind of was like, a, oh, they would. I really like the creepy like almost like little child voice that kind of comes out of yeah. Linda. Yeah. She's like she's... sat there and like, it's, it is this kind of like low kind of creepy, like cackling, laughing constantly kind of at, at everything yeah. he does. And she says a lot of those kind of like, we're going to get you and you know, you're yeah. coming with me and um, you know, there's nothing you can do to stop this kind of thing. And all that kind of little thing that she sat there, but in this kind of almost little child girly little yeah. voice. It's very weird, isn't it? Yeah, kind of twist it. And yeah, then that's um, we get Scott back yeah, <laughs> very Scott quickly. Fucked up. Fucking legs all torn up thing. He looks like he's basically dying. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so this is just like an onslaught of constant 
So this is when all the madness is just full on in there. Ash doesn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, he he uh, pushes. Um, so Linda's kind of, yeah, throws him into another bookcase or whatever's <laughs> there. Um, and he pushes Linda onto to the the the, the sword the goes on the ground. She gets dagger, like yeah. the Kandarian dagger gets, and she gets impaled upon it. Um, and we get, oh, we also get all those scenes like when they're, when they're like, it's like milk. <laughs> You know, yeah, where they're throwing they up get... like milk or guts or you know whatever. I think it's when they come whenever they get stabbed by the Kandarian dagger, this milk comes out. Of them. Yeah, you know, it always reminds me of um, always reminded me of when I saw Aliens for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. That... And um, is it Ash the robot in that or the android or the cyborg? Yeah. Ash, yeah. And when he just gets like ripped apart and there's just milk everywhere, yeah. <laughs> I was always like, why, when I was a kid, I was like, why is he filled with milk? <laughs> and it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just it, a very it's weird. Just, so this is just an onslaught of it. So again, if we're talking about things like things like cuts in films and stuff like that, this just is a non-stop graphic violence yeah. kind of. You know, um, Ash chains down Linda. You know, he doesn't believe that she's like fully dead. But we even get where it tries to play with him, where um, where Sh- um, where Cheryl and Linda both turn back into their normal. Yeah. To kind of trick him for a second when he's all alone. Yeah. Um, and he thinks that maybe he can save her, kind of thing, and he tries to save Linda, but again then it just goes into full-on like he's getting battered he's getting thrown around he's getting beaten he's getting his leg chewed on as scott comes back you know what i mean and realizes the book that if he gets rid of the book kind of thing yeah and this all builds to a climax of you know he's trying to get the bat he throws the uh, necronomicon into the kind of fireplace and then we get and then we get more graphic violence as we slowly watch all of them start to decompose and oh, melt. And it's pretty grim, isn't it? And we get... I lo- I really love that this is like classic like Godzilla, King Kong, stop motion kind of body yeah. breaking down into little bits. You know, it's not even, say, Raiders of the Lost Ark where the face melts. Oh, nope. Not too glass. my glasses off of my face with my hand movements that I yeah. do. Um yeah, so like it raises a lot up when it's kind of more like it's just as if they put layers of different prosthetics and then like let it melt away like wax. Yeah. Whereas this is more literal, like stop motion. Like you see the different parts where they've done it a little bit at a time to slowly yeah. break down. And, and then it almost they, looks like it's fizzing away, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Kind of All of them stuff. kind of look like they're slowly like breaking down their body parts. We get, and then we get like some of them, their chest starts to open and hands start to kind of come yeah. up, which look like really cool, like demon like hands yeah. and all coming out and pulling them apart and then we get like basically like bits where like the last shot we get like is basically just like scott's arm it's like cottage cheese yeah it's <laughs> slowly so pouring out of his arm but it's like what it's like this is kind of what i love about this kind of horror film the way they've done it is at that point in time it's like what else can we just throw at the audience we'll just make them feel <laughs> a bit sick yeah like, let's get as much blood and pus and parts oh, of their body so melting and it literally is just throw it all at the wall and hope that it sticks enough that audience will feel nauseated and sick yeah it's so gross and it you know and it it, to- it totally works um you know and ash is kind of free to leave and we've already mentioned that whole effect of it going through the forest the demon traveling and then being like yeah so it kind of even is on the note of it's not really over 
Yeah. The amount, also, I believe I, I heard also that um, Bruce Campbell literally had to film like apparently like it's almost hundreds of hours of screens really? for them for the editing and sound booths. He literally just spent days like screaming <laughs> because he screams so much. Once it gets into that point, especially once he's by himself after Scott's gone, it's like constant like scream and scream like his yeah. giant scream all the way until that like final big long scream when like the demon comes towards him as we get to the end of the film. Yeah. Um, it's such that kind of onslaught. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's crazy, but it's, it does. It is a film that very much builds where it gets like, it gets better the longer the film goes on. Yeah. Like, easily. It, I, I admit that I felt it. I feel like the first 20, 25 minutes are not like, they're, they're setting up the characters, but I gotta be honest, it's not like I'm not really that bothered by the characters. I can't say that I really feel anything for any of the characters, even Ash in this one. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I, I'm I, not really drawn in by characters, but then it quickly proves that it, these are just people just to go through the ringer of being tortured and torn up, you know. And that's why, like, it's almost more like I'm almost more endeared by the demonic versions <laughs> of them than I am by the actual people that came before. Like, I don't, I don't, can't say I give two shits when shit, like, we've, I feel sorry for Cheryl in the forest. But I can't say I actually care about the characters. She was quite annoying, to be honest. Yeah, and, I think you know, I, there's no character I'm really. Linda and Ashes a little bit. They yeah. try to build it. Well, they get a little bit with the whole proposal. Yeah, like, they're giving her the, you know, the the necklace with the. I always thought it was like a magnifying glass on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a magnifying glass. That's Maybe. what I thought as well. But it is that. Um, it's just it is a bit of the, it's the stunted dialogue to me. It's the only thing that is kind of. The thing that draws me back a little bit is I'm glad that we kind of didn't get di- much dialogue after that because I felt a lot of the lines and stuff felt very stunted in this film. Yeah. Whereas that weird stuntedness totally plays in the other ones. Yeah. Because it's it's almost used as part of the cheesiness, the B moviness, the quips. Yeah. That like weird, awkward silences totally works in the Ash that we know, the iconic Ash. Yeah. But in this version of Ash, where it's a bit more serious, it 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 just comes across as like stunted dialogue to me. It's my only it's my only real flaw of the yeah. film is that kind of opening where it yes, and I know it was an independent film. So that's why I'm totally like, yep, yeah. I get it. I completely get it. But that is my only kind of area. And I could see why, you know, people who might I could see why Sam Raimi and uh Bruce Campbell would have come back to it when they you know when they were a bit more uh, honed in their craft and they made this bigger film and they kind of and i do like that they got a chance to remake it and kind of re, almost like re-kickstart the franchise into what it could have been yeah. um just to jump over to the social media lounge quickly um because we got quite a few good things about this um and a lot of them do seem to have that um element of watching it when you're young so uh yeah. we needed Rhodes podcast first kind of said that they first saw it at school on a second-hand vhs copy which has <laughs> kind of added to the reputation and that they were all crowded in a media studies room at lunchtime um yes. yeah uh the fj podcast said that you know an admirable first effort on such a tiny budget um and that you could tell that the, that Raimi kid was going places um Simon from So I Married a, Hor- a Horror Fan podcast, um, shout, um, is it's his favorite horror movie. Um, and they have one sheet framed in the podcast room. Um, and it's you know an absolute classic. Scaring Sam, um, they they were kind of like I said, they saw um, 
uh, I think it's James who does the social media for them. So I think James saw uh, Evil Dead 2 first. Yeah. And then kind of when he went to watch the original kind of, um, you know, uh, felt like a step down. And he, you know, they can appreciate what it is, but can't understand why it stirred up all the hysteria upon release. Hopefully that's changed when you've listened to the episode and we yeah. look into it a bit more. Yeah. Um, but the best one, and this, uh, this, <laughs> this is what I really liked, and it came from um, that F King show. Um, and he said, last week of school, uh, me and some mates managed to score a couple of boxes of shit beer from one of our mum's coolers. We spent the day playing Street Fighter 2, listening to the Eagles. And he put, nope, not sure why. And then we watched the uncut version of this on dodgy VHS. Then we all headed to the local park at 5am to watch the sunrise. If it was a movie, they would have faded out like River Phoenix at the end of Stand By Me, as I never saw them again. Oh, shit. Which is kind of like... yeah. It's it's strange because we I think we all have that kind of film, don't we? We yeah. all have memories of kind of. Watching I think these we all have. Like we that. have certain we have certain films, yeah. And I'd say even with us in our friendship group, where there were certain films that even we watched together, where we'd done so like we'd done certain things that night, or we did things after we'd watched the film, kind of thing, where it just like the film always stands out to me. Um, like so, like as we're as we're nearly at that that time of year for for me, it is always when we watched Home Alone. Yes. And we basically described Home Alone as if it was a really gritty, like... As a PCP dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a, some kind of feverish horror dream kind yeah. of thing. Um, and that just went off the, the rails or like um, Trolls 2. Trolls 2, yeah. It was always a classic because we just all were in hysterics of yeah. the film. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. No, yeah, that's that's really it's nice. A re- and this, I guess this is a point. Me and, uh, me and old Bobsy are both 90s 90s, 90s babies we are so uh we didn't live in the really in the video nasty culture no, it's not we that we didn't live in the vhs culture because we absolutely that like that was our childhood was yeah. having all of those videos and there are so many films i remember and are so nostalgic to me because of being able to see them on video um but yeah we weren't young enough to, we, we weren't uh we weren't old enough by that stage to really have lived in this culture so there's definitely a lot of this that we're kind of almost just reading about but we didn't get to live it and no like i can imagine how cool it was like it, it the closest thing i can think of in my mind is when i used to be able to get like pirate copies of like dvds yeah at a car boot sale or something like that. you know yeah. when you're like oh this film isn't out for like ages in the uk yet we're gonna get to see it because we forget how long it actually took now they're really fast to come into they all are. countries but they used to be you'd be waiting like oh america got it like nine months ago and we're not getting it here same with evil dead it was like released but it's not unusual for it to have been almost two years before yeah. the film was released in a different well, country. I think it could have. I remember watching something on a um, on an old VHS, and it said about how long it takes films to get released. And it was something like after uh, after a film's been in the cinema, like six months later, it can be. Yeah, it could be at home. I, think, I remember be, this on a video. It used yeah. to almost, uh, for some reason, it used to tell you what was happening. It, yeah, it might have been part of a piracy advert. Also, actually, I don't but... know what it was. But it was like six months after a film had had its theatrical run. Yeah, then you'd be able to rent it on VHS from an from a place um, yeah. like Blockbusters Rip or like a local, you know, uh, mum and dad store. And and then after like a year, it was available for home, you know, to buy from a shop for home and then after two to three years it was available to go on as they call it terrestrial tv and yeah. be shown on that 
And it was, you know, you would have to wait ages to be able to watch something. So yeah. getting a pirate coffee or getting something like that was amazing. It was a bit, like, I can remember, um, that was like, actually, Spider-Man. Let's go back to that again. Yeah. I saw it in America in 2002 when I, when I, when I went on holiday. And um, yeah, when I came back, it was literally still months until it was actually officially released in the UK. So I was like, I've seen Spider-Man already, uh, like, and no one else had actually seen it at that point. Yeah. So it was always really weird to have that kind of that shift in time. Um, I'd almost say, in a way, I can imagine that that made a lot more money for in, in cinema, on video. They all made more money because that, because nowadays it literally is like, as I just saw today, that Halloween Kills is out for digital release on December 13th. Yeah, instead the uh, the uncut version, isn't it? Like that yeah. one. So it's like okay, so that's only like that's two months between it being there and there, not including the fact that um it's it also on a streaming site in America, yeah. and therefore it's in anyone could probably watch it online yeah. at this point. Just to say, piracy, it's naughty, but yeah. uh, <laughs> naughty boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so it's it's weird to think that how quickly you can get that stuff now, like. It does. They don't have any faith in letting it like stew for a while. It's just literally like, no, we've made our first couple of weeks of money, and then we're going to make more money by putting it on there. Which to me sounds like a model that I don't get how that works. It sounds like it's just a way to go like, right, the cinema's not getting a lot of money, digital's getting some money. Yeah, so they get this kind of license. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, Parents just dropping something off. <laughs> <laughs> this is our uncut. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, let me just. Um, so I did say that we would return. So for our last little step here to make sure we're coming off with our uh, coming off. That was not the word I wanted we're, to use. We're not coming. We're not coming off. We're not doing anything. Nothing's coming off for Bobby. No. <laughs> when I arrived this morning, he had no show. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I was on the toilet. um so um so here's going back to i said that there was a little twist in the tale because yes the evil dead got released in cinemas and unlike last house on the left so it wasn't one straight away even though the the filmmakers actually kind of wish they had just released it on video and not into cinemas and it had 49 seconds of cut but here's where the uh the video nasty part actually took a little bit of a twist so uh the bbfc uh really started to get to the point uh when they started to think uh, in about 1983, 1984, they started to think, oh, wait a second. They started to really think, oh, is the video nasty craze having a major effect on children? Okay. And so therefore what they started to do was they started to try and make it illegal to have certain videos in stores. And they actually seized copies of The Evil Dead from stores. So they oh, started wow. taking them out of shops. So the video version was therefore, it was seized from a large number of shops around the UK. And in many cases, the shop owners simply had to just say, okay, take it because they weren't going to defend the film because that may be good, bad for business. Kind of yeah. thing. So uh, ultimately distributors were taken. Okay. They were taken to court for what, like the fact that they were still trying to use this loophole. Um, and uh, that's what put The Evil Dead officially was that's the reason it ended up on the Video Nasties list. And it became one of the first ones that was started to be taken out. Oh, so they really? were actually going around seizing the video because they're saying it was like now illegal, even though the BBFC had that was the and same cut. They changed their mind on it. So they were really trying to be their own little law upon themselves. What made them change their mind, does it say? Um, it, well, it, it basically it was the, the effect of children saying that actually things like the rape scene and stuff like that yeah. actually were worse than we thought and maybe we made a bad choice in that case so they thought oh no if a children got to see that 
doesn't matter if it's tongue in cheek. They were like, a child wouldn't understand this. Yeah. And they were saying that because there's no rating, children would get to see this. So they started doing that with all, basically all horror films or films of a certain content. They started taking the films out of out of cinemas, uh, not out of, cinemas, out of video shops and wow. stores. So like, it's one of the weirdest, and it ended up in a whole like court battle, which then ended up that they decided it was decided that yes, actually no, the film was not like that obscene, not that crazy. I mean, it was a bit weird. I'd kind of say maybe, yeah, <laughs> but um, but it was officially in 1985. It was officially taken off of the video nasties list in 19 and not until 1985 so even though people got to see it in 1983 more more so in video than in cinema there was about a year or so again where you weren't allowed to have a copy and that is why like you're just saying um the stories that's why they probably were having like bootleg versions because they were like oh we'd managed to get a copy of it yeah like so it become a proper taboo so imagine how fun it was so imagine how much fun it was drinking when we didn't when we were underage yeah <laughs> it's yeah. basically that but with videos isn't it like imagine yeah, how much fun it is to like oh we've got this you can't let anyone know because technically it's illegal let's go and fucking pop that video in yeah Get that a copy of uh, fucking oh yeah, I've got a bootleg Matilda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you because Danny DeVito hangs dog. Yeah, Danny DeVito <laughs> hangs dog. The uncut version of Danny DeVito hangs dog, and then you just but as soon as you put it in, you see like a red sniper dot on you. <laughs> the BBFC have found them. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it, it's quite strange. Um, so. But it went through that kind of process. So this is how weird the video nasties was. It was literally like instead of taking like instead of taking like certain things out like of cigarettes or things like that, they were like, no, children can still be about of age to have a cigarette. <laughs> no, the videotape will do them so much damage. Yeah, you know, those kind of little things that you think, oh, okay, they're probably bit the, those same children probably drinking booze and having cigarettes down the park. But yeah, right. Yeah, the evil dead is going to change them it's to gotta, evil creatures. It's, it's going to break them. <laughs> yeah yeah and then um so it did uh get um it was put off so the evil dead was put off until 1989 yeah so it was again pushed um that's when they decided the initial fear of all of the scenes and the graphic nature had died down yeah so um although it was taken off the video nasty's list it wasn't until 1989 that they officially actually allowed it to be released again in oh, video wow. stores and stuff um so that's how long it took and it was only, and this time the BBFC went back and cut more before they released it. What, what did they cut this time? They cut out the whole of the tree scene. Oh shit! So the whole of the tree scene, and they so they said two minor cuts, but the two minor cuts was one cutting out that whole scene which they found obscene, um, and uh, yeah, and they said that they were allowed if they wanted it to be released back in cinema, it would have to have deeper cuts done to it. Wow! So they kept including so. Um, these were the uh, so some scenes that had previously been approved in tap for cinema release were now also reduced. So most famously, this includes the sequence in it says here in which one of the female characters is assaulted by a tree. In total, a further one minute and six seconds were taken removed from the uh, video version, uh, meaning the Evil Dead now had to be cut by a total of one minute and fifty five seconds. Uh, and this was re- this was agreed that they would reset, and it, but this time it would be an eighteen. And then it was finally January 1990 when it actually finally got that video release again. Oh, wow. So think how fucking long that is. It was yeah. January 1980 fucking free when it first got a cinema slash into video release. <laughs> Seven it, uh-huh. years later, after it had been like only out for about a year, 
this is like, yeah. this is fucking mad. Like it's madness. It's the madness of the of the BBFC. And then when did they finally get the uncut version of the Evil Dead? In two thousand, the uncut version of the film was finally resubmitted to the BBFC, and they decided that standards had changed since the nineteen nineties, and certainly since nineteen eighty two when it was originally looked yeah. at. Um, <laughs> And agreed in the views of the public that the BBFC should only intervene with material was illegal or harmful. Wow. So if it was a snuff film or something. So they finally yeah. made the decision that they'd only really stop films if it was something that they believed was really going to harm someone in a significant way. Yeah. Um, and it can now be released as 18 without cuts. The uncut DVD was released in 2001. So it never got an uncut video release. It, wow. it was all the way until DVD before it got. <laughs> so 2001 is when the UK finally got to see the completely uncut version. So this is as looking at it 40. It was 20 years from yeah. the original film. So the 20th anniversary is when they would have released Evil Dead, probably the 20th anniversary official final cut. Like yeah, that's proper mad version. And this is 20 years later since that happened. Like that's... So this is the madness of Britain, <laughs> yes, and, uh, and uh, our uh, whole like system. It's just that system was just mad. Like imagine that going in and seizing. So they sent police in to seize videos, and not like <laughs> not like graphic hard hardcore porn or something. Like yeah, that. it was no. Go and get those copies of the Evil Dead. Dead Evil Dead. <laughs> and it's strange. Go and get, yeah, I wonder what would. I mean, I wonder what would happen with the release of the Evil Dead too. Yeah. I wonder uh, if that would have been, because that was really, was that 87 or 89? That was, that was 87. So that's what I mean. So that was already up. So, that so was the, already up. the original so it must Evil have been Dead. reconsidered yeah. before they'd even finally finished on the whole first one. The first one had already been released by the time they kind of made it on the whole second one. Like, the first uh, one would Evil been, Dead would have been banned. So, yeah, that's what I mean. But whether they actually, I don't believe they did that, but Evil Dead um, UK release 2. Um, so the Evil Dead 2 was released actually around the same time. So it was released in 26th of June, 1987. Yeah. So they obviously didn't stop it in the same way um, as the first one. So it's kind of weird how it changed. I guess yeah. it's just the loopholes that they'd made for themselves by constantly cutting and changing the rules around the Evil Dead. Yeah. It almost got itself caught into this loop. Whereas by 1987, they'd obviously started to think a little bit more clearly yeah. about what <laughs> yeah. was bad and what wasn't. But then I guess at the same time, I would say, I guess we could say, if if there was a question between whether the first one was yeah. just like odd humour or tongue-in-cheek or whether they were trying to play it seriously, there's no question of that in Evil Dead 2. It's a horror comedy. Yes, you know so I mean? it, it leads it's a, a lot more cut. into the over-the-top comedy. So I'd say that would probably help that they are clearly making it clear that this is... This is not, you know, this is yeah. not realistic. This is not grounded in any way anymore. This is just over-the-top madness. Yeah. Whereas the original, I guess, we did try to play it a bit safer. So um, that is our Video Nasties, uh, our second installment. And I'm sure we'll have more ones to find out because... I don't. Know. I find these. I find these facts that I literally only just learned recently about them. That well, these are like really interesting to see that the processes that they went through is fucking insanity. I can't. Yeah, believe it's it. really. It's a really um, interesting way to look through it. And I hope we get to see, hear more stories of people. If you've got stories like, 
uh, was it the fucking king? The, the, <laughs> the, the F king. The, F the FK king. king. Well, what the fucking king? Know, uh, street fight. You know, street fighter till if, if you've got a perspective on what video nasties and getting bootleg videos are out, we want to hear about it. Yeah. You know? um, well, go to the know. socials, boy. Yeah, we are over on uh, Twitter and Instagram at CMTH Podcast. Um, come and let us know what you thought of evil dead the first time you watched it what was going through your head how you experienced it if you're in the uk let us know how you got a hold of it um we won't tell the police <laughs> <laughs> i think we i think that time that ship has sailed yeah, um, uh, statutory but you know let us know your thoughts on um the evil dead and the whole video nasties. If you're in the UK, let us know what you thought about them. And if you're in um, other parts of the world, let us know what you think about the kind of this period of British censorship and how you know how interesting it is. Um, and as always, hit the uh, hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. And we will see you soon. Bye.